time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Southern Race Week. I am William Barber, a.k.a. WB, and as always, sitting high atop his pit box is none other than the man himself, the producer that every radio, TV, and news outlet that wants anybody in the financial or the racing industry to come on as guests can make it happen. I'm talking about the producer to the stars out there. What's going on, man? William Barber, glad to have you back. I know you've been out the last few weeks. You're taking care of some business. I know you had an anniversary. Congratulations on that, sir. And yeah, I know some stuff going on, man. But uh, glad to have you back in the captain's chair, sir. And uh, we got another jam-packed episode of uh, Southern Race Week for you, sir. So uh, hey, it's, it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be a lot of great, a lot of great things going on. Uh, the Andretti family uh, is uh, over the curse of the Indy 500. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, this week, also too. Um, I understand we're going to catch up with uh, you, you. You got Mike Bagman Bagley to sit down for five minutes to talk with you about racing. What? Uh, yes. So uh, we got Mike Bagley on here from MRN Radio, also Sirius XM Channel 90, the NASCAR channel with the morning drive there. And we're going to talk to him, get his thoughts on the, uh, the road course race at Daytona this past weekend. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that and talk about the doubleheader weekend in Dover this weekend and then also next week William after Dover this weekend we're going to be at Daytona again and that'll be the final race in the regular season so we'll get his thoughts on if he can see Jimmy Johnson possibly not making it into the top 16 and possibly compete for a championship to wrap up his final full-time season in the uh, the Cup Series there. So uh, Mike Bagley will be standing by from Florida to the, deliver all that info there, uh, William. Also, we got Ross Chastain from the Xfinity Series and Kevin Lee, the pit reporter for the Indy 500. This weekend is going to be lots of live sporting events. No football, very little baseball, no college football whatsoever, and they can't make up their mind. But yet, this weekend, we're going to do back-to-back at Dover. And we're going to have the Indy 500 and truck racing and everything else. Lots of good stuff going on in the motorsports racing world, Alfie. Let's talk about the results and uh, talk about the uh, standings so far for the National. Yes, yes. But don't forget about our social media, William. We want to let people know that you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We got all the latest news and information from the short track world, NHRA, Indy, and NASCAR on Twitter at SRW Radio. William is also available on Twitter at WB Radio Network, and apparently he has one of those Instagram pages as the kids love to uh, get on there and, and throw up some pictures every now and then. Uh, and then also I'm on Twitter at Alfie underscore 19 and Southern Race Week. We've got a Facebook page at facebook.com slash Southern Race Week. Hey, this is NASCAR driver Trevor Bain, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie yet again bringing you another brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio as we get set to go double-header racing this weekend at Dover. And then Daytona next weekend, the final three races of the regular season. So we got a lot of talk about here as drivers are jockeying for position before the cutoff 
next week at Daytona, and we welcome into the program here a friend of the show as we head on over to the Food Depot hotline and welcome in one of the busiest men in radio. Last weekend all over the place at Daytona, now back to four hours on Sirius XM Morning Radio with the Morning Drive, and uh, he's got so much going on, So uh, and also he'll be at his home track. Speaking of Dover, he'll be at... Uh, Dover this weekend as a part of the Motor, Ra- Motor Racing Network crew. Let's welcome in the one, the only, Mr. Mike Bagley! Ah, yes. Woo! So glad to be back with you. Alfie, how we doing? Doing good, sir. Doing good. Looks like you had yourself a nice, long, enjoyable weekend last weekend at Daytona, man. You were just... Uh, all over the place, uh, four races, three days, thunders, thunderstorms, lightning, rain. You pretty much got a little bit of everything there at Daytona last weekend. So uh, before we talk about your thoughts on the race, the uh, road course, and everything that's coming up with the NASCAR world, uh, let's get your impressions of as far as your uh, enjoyable time spent at Daytona last weekend dealing with all the elements. I think uh, I thought last weekend was <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We got a little bit of everything. We had the Arkham Menard Series there. We had the Xfinity we had the uh, truck. We had the Cup Series there as well. We used wet weather tires uh, for a little bit. We had sunshine. We had hot conditions. We had lightning delays. We had a little bit of everything. But I was I was impressed with the way that everyone responded to um, to the challenge. Because remember, no practice, no qualifying. Everybody was predicting chaos when they threw the green flag and everybody went hauling off into the left-hander turn one. <laughs> and we didn't have that chaos. We yeah. didn't have all that. And I think everybody adjusted perfectly to the conditions that were thrown their way and the new layout that was thrown their way at Daytona last weekend as well. Now, this is the first time Cup Cars have been on the road course. Uh, you saw a lot of it this weekend with the trucks, Xfinity, Arca, and as you mentioned, the Cup Series. So let me give me your thoughts. What are your thoughts on the layout, the way the cars looked out there, and uh, your thoughts of uh, racing on, on the road course for the first time? Well, with the exception of that new chicane that they put in between turn four and the start-finish line in the tri-oval, that's the same exact course that's used for the Rolex 24 with the sports cars, when the motorcycles race there. And the layout as a whole, there was some concern going in that the infield portion didn't have much grip, and that's a well-worn surface. Well, that plays into the hands of of some folks and making that adjustment to it. I thought when you put that element in there, that definitely created uh, some, some strategy moments as far as do we stay on old tires? Do we go new tires? Then guys were able to leg it out on the high banks. They went through the bus stop on the back stretch and then through uh, a new chicane, which uh, they brought in the turtles from Charlotte motor speedway for their chicane on their back stretch. Um, and, and when you put all that together, it was fun to see uh, race cars on the road course at Daytona as opposed to Watkins Glen. We wanted to be in Watkins Glen, but the state of New York wouldn't let us in. So the next best thing, well, let's throw everybody on the road course at, at, at Daytona. There was a lot of anxiousness. I, I, I don't think I'm overstating this, but guys not knowing what to expect. When you've been going to Watkins Glen since 1986, you know what's coming your way. We've not been on this road course for one lap prior to this past weekend. And to see the drivers respond with some of their performances, some having challenges, I thought when you put all that together, we had a fantastic show considering all the unknowns that were coming into that race last weekend and that weekend as a whole. 
Now, you're one of the many people who cover NASCAR for the morning drive on Sirius XM. I know you've had an opportunity to speak to some of the fans and, and people who have called in. As far as the perspective from the fans who are watching it, what did you gauge from the phone calls that you have gotten over the last few days? It was about 50-50. Some want to go back and do it again. Some don't. Those that want it brought back, you have half of those people that wanted to replace the, the Coke Zero Sugar 400. Some wanted to be a separate event. Now, keep in mind, when we go back in 2021, the Bush Clash will be run on the road course, on the very course that we ran this past weekend in a non-points-paying fashion with the 500 still in place on the Oval and the 400 still in place on the Oval. Perhaps maybe that's the right balance, and you'll get the best of both worlds, plate racing or, or, or super speedway racing, and then you have a little road course racing at Daytona as well. I do think the road course at Daytona has a future, but I don't think it has a future as a points-paying event. As far as the drivers and some of the owners and people you've interviewed and talked to, what, what did they say? Same thing. They loved yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, they want to see it again. Denny Hamlin wants it back, but doesn't want to sacrifice the points-paying event uh, on the Oval or the points-paying events. As far as they're concerned, they, uh, they thought it was challenging, but that's something that they embrace, something new that they embraced as well. So... The drivers and the teams, I think, when you collectively review their thoughts, would definitely give it another shot, more so than some of the fans that just when they think Daytona, they just think of 200-mile-an-hour mile drafting around the Oval instead of winding their way through the infield road course. Speaking with Mike Bagley here of the Motor Racing Network and also the co-host of the Morning Drive on Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. And as I'm looking at the playoff point picture right now, Mike, a lot of jockeying position here. We've got a doubleheader weekend in Dover, and then Daytona yet again next weekend, which is going to cut off the uh, top 16. And uh, we got 10 guys who are automatically know are going to be there, but still those bottom three positions, spots, uh, you know, 14, 15, 16, and through to the 20th position are all kind of close in there. Jimmy Johnson is 17th right now. He's in the outside looking in, and he's we already know this is going to be his last full-time season, so – it's it's coming down to crunch time for uh, Jimmy, so he's going to need a win more than likely or have some great performances and hope some guys have some bad performances. You're right. Um, what complicates matters is the driver that's in the 16th and final cutoff spot is his teammate, William Byron. And I had a chance to chat with William's crew chief, Chad Canals, uh earlier on the Sirius show, and I, I, I threw it out there. Number one, you're going to a place where Jimmy's had a lot of success, and you know, Chad says he he doesn't he doesn't relish that. You know, he he's money at Dover. Perhaps maybe though, it's a different time and a different place. Jimmy's last win actually came at Dover in June of 2017. Wow. But then you also have the ability going next week to Daytona, um, where perhaps maybe if you don't get it done in, in in Dover, as far as Jimmy's concerned, and get the win, you've got the opportunity to to take advantage of of the draft and maybe rely on the draft and get in that way. Either way, it's not a comfortable place to be at Hendrick Motorsports because if Jimmy wins this weekend, then he punts William out if, uh, if, if things stay status quo. Or the following week, if you're William Byron, do you draft with Jimmy? I mean, if, if, is this going to be a Hendrick Motorsports flotilla next week to try to get in both of them? But then again, the cadence of the Daytona race has a lot of unknowns attached to it. It's not a comfortable feeling over at Hendrick Motorsports right now. And, and Chad says, listen, we've not had – We've not had the performance this year that we should have, and, we, and we've been behind. Well, now you're in crunch time. You've got three races to go, and you've got to try to win, and you've got to try to get 
um, William in. You got to try to get Jimmy in. Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott are already in. So I think it's going to be a tall task. Unfortunately, it may be seven-time Jimmy Johnson on the outside looking in when we start the playoffs the following weekend at Darlington. It's hard to believe to know that Jimmy would not have an opportunity to at least close out in the playoffs. Would be I don't know how difficult of a pill that would be for him to swallow, even though he's walking away with seven championships, something that two other drivers have only have, have accomplished. So I, that, I, I would have a lot of mixed emotions for uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson there as he's wrapping up his final season. Now, you, you brought up Chase Elliott, who is right now ranked fourth in the standings, two wins on the season, tied with Joni Logano, who is fifth. Uh, you know, we're here in Atlanta. Chase won this past weekend there. The siren went off in Dawsonville. Uh, Chase, what, what what are your thoughts on Chase as we uh, kind of close out the regular season and get uh, set to punch it into the second drive there as we get into the playoffs? What how do you look uh, how do you look at Chase as he as he gets ready? Well, I, I think Chase is money on road courses, so I expect him to do the oval uh, the roval at Charlotte quite well. I'm not convinced about mile and a half racetracks for Chase. He's mm-hmm. going to get in the playoffs. But he does have the ability to – he's got Talladega in there that he can use. He's got the Roval that he can use, perhaps. Um, you're going to have to win to advance, I believe, for the most part of, of the majority of the championship four drivers. I think at, he's good to at least the next to the last round, but I don't know if he has enough to get into the championship four. Because when you look at guys around you, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, at least on paper going in, seem to be the two – that I would say lock up half the half the championship four field. Don't know playoffs. We've seen you know quirky stuff happen in in, in the past. I don't know if I'm ready to put Chase in there, but I know that they're uh, they're hard at work. Alan Gustafson's uh, told us this week earlier on the show that uh, they've got some work to do. Texas seems to be a thorn in their side, so perhaps maybe they can uh, they can get things buttoned up and get in. But you know I would I would not discount Chase, but I wouldn't necessarily put him at the top of my list of being one of the four drivers that's going to run for the title in Phoenix. All right, buddy, this weekend you're heading to your home track, Dover, for a doubleheader weekend, Xfinity and the Cup Series Saturday and Sunday as we set up our fantasy league, maybe look at some of the drivers that we might want to put up there to uh, represent us, especially me as horribly as I'm doing in my league right now. Um, who are some of the drivers you look at to maybe make some noise uh, in Dover this weekend? Well, don't forget, we got a total of six races in three days at Dover. Arkham Menard Series East. You got trucks, two Xfinity, two Cup. I don't think you can look past Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. If you've got starts to use, I'd plug them in. In the Xfinity Series, I would go Austin um, Cindric and Chase Briscoe. Those two are on fire. I think it's going to be the usual cast of characters with maybe a Chase or maybe an maybe a, a William Byron thrown in, but you never can discount Martin Truex Jr. I think those are those are some of the names you definitely need to consider. If you have the asset allotment to use them, I would definitely drop them in the fantasy team this weekend. Well, Mr. Bagley, part of the Motor Racing Network, who will be on site delivering all the action from Dover for the uh, Cup Series, everything going on, MRN.com to stream all the action or go to MRN.com and check out the local station in your area that carries all the Motor Racing Network's programming and race coverage. And also listen to Mike Bagley every morning, four hours now. That's right, he's back to a normal four-hour schedule. Tough for him as uh, he delivers all the great NASCAR news information you need, great interviews, uh, great entertainment in the mornings that you head on into work with the morning drive on a serious NASCAR Channel 90. This is Larry McReynolds of NASCAR on Fox. 
and you're listening to Southern Race Week. Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie yet again bringing you another brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio. And even though we are going to be going doubleheader weekend racing at Dover Saturday and Sunday, there's another great sporting racing event taking place this Sunday as well. That's right, the Indianapolis 500, the greatest spectacle in racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Sunday. NBC Sports will be carrying all the racing coverage. Danica Patrick, Mike Tirico, amongst everyone else from the NBC Sports family will be in Indy covering all the action. One of those people you will be seeing as well, Pitt Reporter, who will be covering all the action in Indy. For the Indy 500, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the Food Depot hotline and welcome in Pitt Reporter for, for NBC Sports coverage of the Indy 500. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kevin Lee. Wow, am I starting a power forward? That's Woo! an intro. Yes, sir. You know what? You, this is the way I like to look at it, sir. You're a big deal guest, so we got to introduce <laughs> you in wrestling uh, theme style. Oh, wrestling. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm okay. a big, I'm a big wrestling fan. I grew up watching wrestling in the, uh, you know, 95, 96 when I was, uh, uh, you know, in high school. So uh, I always like to introduce people like I'm some, some kind of a wrestling announcer. So I think I always, okay. my, I think I always wanted to secretly be a, a wrestling announcer, but I, I figured, you know, broadcasting is kind of the next best thing to this kind of thing. In, in Indiana, we do that for, you know, high school basketball games, college basketball games. That's the public address announcer. So it's, the same principle. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know basketball and, and racing are deals in the uh, state of Indiana, so believe me, I understand what uh, what goes on there. You live there, obviously, for a long time now, and as you get set from the Indy 500, you've experienced more than once the greatest spectacle in race in Indianapolis. But now, in these COVID-19 times, how strange is it for you to get fired up and get ready for a race where basically you won't hear a lot of the crowd or any crowd in attendance? It's still pretty easy to get fired up, but ultimately I don't think we have a an understanding of what it's going to be like until we get to Sunday morning. So we've, we've been uh, preparing for this race, and the teams have been preparing for this race for the last week now. Indianapolis is its own event, and it's essentially a two-week event. So practice started last Wednesday, and they practiced Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, qualified on Saturday and Sunday and carb day on Friday of this weekend. So there's a lot to it. And while that was very strange, it wasn't the same as race day because practice days sometimes only have a few thousand people. And it's mostly the people in the paddock and friends and family. Uh, qualifying is a different story. You might get 15, 20,000 one day, maybe 30,000 the other day. And carb day is a big deal. It's 75 to 100,000 people so that that's very different but race day it's it's the masses of humanity that has a lot to do with the significance of this event it's simply put the largest single day spectator uh event in the world and we say single day because you could probably do the math and say the 24 hours of the mall might have more people but that's multiple days so um but when you're not going to have a quarter of a million people there to 300,000, whatever it is, it's going to feel very, very different. And what's going to be most different and what makes Indianapolis so special on Memorial Day weekend as well as the tie-in with Memorial Day weekend and the salute to the military and fallen heroes and everything that happens in the three hours before the race 
and that won't happen. Now, all this said, when the green flag drops, as I've seen from watching other IndyCar and NASCAR races and Formula One races, when the event starts, the event is the, the event. And then I think it will feel relatively normal with some changes that you just won't hear the roar of the crowd when a big pass happens. Is it every time you walk in, do you still get the same goosebumps? Do you, do you walk in saying to yourself, I can't believe that I'm here and I'm working and I'm going to be covering and working the Indianapolis 500 for NBC Sports? I think so. And, and then that part is what gets really special. But And I think those of us that live here and have been coming here all of our life try not to take that for granted. So I grew up about six miles away from the Speedway. Wow. And other than when I went to college an hour and a half away, I have, I've lived in Indianapolis all my life. And I, I probably go to the track, you know, on average 50 times a year. I'm inside the facility, so <laughs> I'm pretty used to it. But there is something very, very different about it. And just for me, so I had worked the race for the local radio station for a few years, and then I was on the, the worldwide radio broadcast for almost 20 years. And that was hugely special because this radio broadcast is different from any other, but there was still something a little bit different about joining the television broadcast. Last year was the first year that NBC had the rights to the race, so that was a unique opportunity. This is a Super Bowl-type event of a motorsport, so when you get a chance to be a part of it, you really cherish that, that chance. Now, I've asked a lot of NASCAR people this, but I haven't had a chance to kind of speak to someone from Indy. Uh, when we had the Brickyard 400, you guys had an Indy event as well. We had a little, you know, kind of a little crossover between Indy and NASCAR. From your perspective as a guy who covers Indy, and, it's, and, and, and that's a, predominantly what you look at, what are your thoughts on that, on that weekend where we crossed over there? Oh, it was great, uh, and I'm glad it happened, and it probably wouldn't have happened. The pandemic certainly helped get that done, but even then, I'm not sure it would have gotten done without Roger Penske. So this had been talked about for a few years, and NASCAR always seemed a little bit lukewarm on that, and I think Roger Penske helped get that over the finish line, and, and that was a big benefit to IndyCar because that was, at one point, the hope was there would be fans, there's a fanless event. It's tough for IndyCar to do fanless events because, again, you're not making any money uh, at the track off of a fanless event. Uh, NASCAR was, and the track was. So, essentially, NASCAR helped rent the track for IndyCar to get that happen, and that's, I think, what we'll see more of. So they can help each other with more projects like this in the future. Now, looking at the race on Sunday, the Andretti name synonymous with Indianapolis Motor Speedway and an Andretti will lead to the green flag. Marco Andretti just barely getting the pole from Scott Dixon to lead the field for the running of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, tell me your thoughts on the Andretti name and how amazing and awesome it is that Marco will now uh, be the, uh, the pole sitter and leading the, the, the cars to the green. Well, it's a great story, and you can still argue that uh, being retired since 1994, Mario Andretti, is still maybe A.J. Foyt is the other, but they're the, still the biggest names in the sport. And and one of the reasons why the Andretti name has been so significant, well, one, Mario has stayed in the public eye forever. He's still as busy and working as much as he ever was, and he's still at every race weekend. And his son uh, is on that short list of the greatest drivers ever in Michael Andretti, and Michael has owned the team for many years. And then you add in Marco, and I think people were happy for Marco because it obviously hasn't gone as well on the track for him as it did for his dad and for his grandfather. He's won two races in 14 or 15 years, but he's always been really good at Indianapolis. And we remember when he almost won the race as a teenager, and he's had four or five other 
years where he was right in the mix until the end. This is where he excels at. It hasn't even gone well here for the last couple of years. Marco is quiet. He's somewhat under, under misunderstood, and he's shy. But he is very, very well-liked within the paddock, and I think people were just genuinely happy for him. So the car's fast. That's one thing. But he will have a chance. He'll be in that group of five or six guys. You know, really, it's 10 or 12 that I think have a really good chance to win. But he's in that group. Kevin Lee will be in the pit road area covering all the action for NBC Sports. Uh, Mr. Lee, thank you so much for taking time to join us this week on Sunday Race Week Radio, sir. Um, hopefully we'll have you on the program sometime during the season to fill us in what's going on. And uh, good luck and, and, and enjoy all the fun this weekend, sir. Thanks. My pleasure. This is John Roberts from FS1, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southie bringing you yet again another brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio. And we are very honored and privileged to have another great guest on the Food Depot Zoom line as he's checking in from his motor coach uh, somewhere around the United States of America. Who knows where he is traveling in his RV keeping safe from COVID-19. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in. He does it all. He drives Xfinity, Cubs cars, trucks, go-karts. I, I, we'll see what else he drives when he has some time. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome welcome in Mr. Ross Chester. Mr. Chastain, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us this week. On Southern Race yes, Radio, sir. hopefully you're having a, a great day so far. I am. I am. Uh, I am headed south. Girlfriend Aubrey is uh, at the wheel of the motorhome, so if you can tell, we are bouncing down the highway. Uh, <laughs> when this is one of the perks of the motorhome life, is uh, the dogs are here and ate a little lunch, and she's uh, she took over the, the controls at the steering wheel, and I get to talk to you. <laughs> so, how the driving responsibilities work? Do you have a, a shift system, or is it pretty much? When she tells you to drive, you drive. Uh, how, how does that work in that, that dynamic? Um, basically, uh, I drive until I have something like this or, um, or she's aggravated enough at my driving that she just tells me to get up and pull over and, and she'll take over. She can wheel it just as good as I can and she, uh, we enjoy it. So I, I'm, I have a qu- I'm wondering, have you ever talked to anybody on the Zoom line while they were riding on the couch going down the highway? This is a first for this uh, Southern Race Week broadcast, so we're making some history. Sounds like my wife. It sounds like the same thing that goes on when, when my wife and we're going uh, cross-country, taking the kids to a Disney World every uh, other month, it seems like, except during this, uh, obviously, COVID-19 situation. We were talking about it when we, we brought you on. You've done it all here in NASCAR, trucks, Xfinity, Cups. Uh, you've driven all kinds of different cars. You're the busiest man in NASCAR, a lot of people say. So as far as the different series and dealing with the different equipment, what's the difference in, in the three? Yeah, the, uh, the, the Xfinity cars currently, from 2019 on, as hard as it is for me to, to say this publicly, it, they are the hardest to drive. They are the most challenging. They have the most power for the least amount of downforce and grip ratio out of the three national series. And cup cars and trucks are now pretty similar. So the challenge of the Xfinity car is what I love. Now, Every series, you're pushing that your race vehicle to the limit. That makes the challenge even harder whenever you have that much grip in a cup car and you're trimming it out and you're right on the edge of running wide open and you're on the edge of losing all of your, all of your grip. So, um, but just pure, you know, comparing apples to apples or watermelons to watermelons, the Xfinity car is the most challenging, 
But just out of full season, the truck series, there's less races. Uh, there's less people involved. There's less mechanics usually at a shop. So a, a place like Nice Motorsports last year that I competed for the championship and finished second, unfortunately, to Matt Crafton last year, um, you know, that, that was a small group of guys, um, you know, that they do a lot of their own fab work and now chassis work in house. And, and it's just, it's just, that's the people building the race trucks that then you go to the track with. And it's, it's all one group. Like we would leave most of the time, we would leave one person at the shop when we would leave to go to the track. And then if we ran an extra truck, he would come uh, with the rest of the group. We'd hire some weekend help to, to make that happen. So it's definitely, um, it's all about people and making it as much of a family atmosphere. And, and now we're building that at college racing. Now, NASCAR was one of the first major sports to come back. Recently, we've had baseball, hockey, basketballs all coming back, and they're having their bubbles, and they're kind of what they need to do to kind of keep up with what's going on with COVID-19. We've seen MLB kind of have a little bit of a problem with that lately. Let me ask you, now that NASCAR's been doing this for a long time, you've kind of gotten used to this new COVID-19 procedure for NASCAR. How do you feel the NASCAR is doing as far as making sure that you guys, crews, broadcasters, everyone at the track is as safe as possible during this COVID-19 because unlike some like basketball, for instance, they're in a bubble. You guys are still out kind of traveling around, going to different places. So how do you feel NASCAR is handling the COVID-19 situation for you guys as drivers? I think they're doing a great job uh, for, for the first time really since I've been involved in the sport or really have ever seen NASCAR was proactive and not reactive. They were proactive and getting out to our, our local state, you know, uh, national, I guess, officials of this country to figure out how we were going to go racing. And we were one of the first ones. I think PBR was first. I think professional bull riders. I think the, those guys are crazy enough. They were the first ones back. And then there might have been somebody else. And then it was us as far as national sports go. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, I was, I was afraid that even if we did come back, we might have to only race Darlington and Charlotte. Like we were going to be in this vicious cycle of maybe just those two tracks close to, you know, maybe Atlanta, but just ones close to, to Charlotte where we're all at. Um, but then that wouldn't have been fair to guys, you know, their door sport racing's out of Ohio. There are other race teams in South Carolina and around, uh, Florida, there's a couple of Xfinity teams down there. So, it wouldn't have been fair, um, but I was afraid we would have our own, you know, bubble, you know, per se. We're traveling, you know, we're, we wear our masks everywhere. Uh, if I'm not in this motorhome on this trip, I'll have my mask on. It's just the, the new normal that we're in right now. And, and I just, I don't want to be the one that messes it up. So, you know, all the drivers are, we don't see much of each other. We don't see much of our crews at the track. I still go to the shop. We still have to sit in these race cars at the shop. We still have to go to the simulator with our crew and our crew chiefs and stuff and our engineers. So, we do the best we can. We're all wearing masks. Uh, they're, they have masks on all day at the shop and they're sweating working on these cars and it's tough. Um, but they know that if they want to keep their, their jobs and, and our livelihoods, that they have to have, have, to have that mask on. Well, let me tell you, the first time you're on the show was right before Charlotte for uh, uh, the 600 when we introduced you to Mr. Rogers, who you had his son's name on, on your car that race. And since that day, Mr. Chastain, I've been nothing but a huge fan of yours. So um, I am pulling for you big time in the number 10 car. All right, man. Thanks. I'm Adam Alexander, part of the NASCAR coverage on Fox Sports 1, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. You know, every week here on Southern Race Week, you get us a dynamic group of people to uh, be a guest on the program. We talk about anything that's got four wheels or sometimes two wheels and goes real fast. 
And uh, big thanks to you for getting the Law Tiger uh, lineup this past week for Mike Bagman Bagley uh, to be on the show and Ross Chastain from the Xfinity Series. Of course, Mike Bagley from uh, Sirius XM Radio. Uh, and then also to uh, Pit Reporter for uh, MRN. And, of course, Kevin Lee, the pit reporter for the Indy 500, coming up this weekend. Who do you have next week, Alfie, on the Law Tiger, the tiger that's on your side uh, whenever you're out riding your motorcycle at any point in time? Uh, who do you have lined up for us next week? Well, next week, William, we're going to have NHRA driver Matt Hagan will be joining the broadcast and also – another Xfinity Series driver with Chase Briscoe. They are definitely will be on the program next week here on Southern Race Week Radio. And then also, don't forget also the Southern Race Week podcast, available on your uh, iTunes provider, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud as well. So you can go uh, download it, subscribe to it, uh, leave a rank, uh, rating or a comment. We appreciate it. So uh, check out the Southern Race Week podcast as well. Available every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. All right. Well, listen, uh, folks, don't forget now, here on Southern Race Week, we'd love for you to get involved with the show. want to hear from you on all of our social media platforms. And uh want to thank you all for taking time to tune in, turning it up, and letting everybody, your family, friends, cousins, neighbors, know about this little show. Until next week, I'm William Barber. I'm Alfie. We'll see y'all at the racetrack near you. Oh,